What is up? And welcome in. 10,000 pitches in your ears or uh, right in front of your face as uh, the video is available on YouTube after the fact. But of course, if you are a tier three Soda Soccer super sub at patreon.com slash Soda Soccer, you can tune in and are tuning in free or free, tuning in live to uh, 10,000 pitches. Uh, you can leave questions or comments. You can kind of just get a first look at the show each week as well. So if that's something that sounds interesting to you that you might want to take in each and every week, make sure you're either upgrading your Patreon membership or uh, heading over to patreon.com slash soda soccer and making that happen. But either way, whether you're watching live, listening live, watching after the fact, listening after the fact, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of 10,000 pitches. This is episode 131. We are presented of course by sodasoccer.com. My name is Jeremy rushing and alongside me as always, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how are we doing? I'm doing great. Uh, apologies for not being available last week. Had some some state hockey to to deal with, and that and that was great. But but glad to be available today. Lots to talk about. Lots of yes. different exciting things to talk about. So so very happy to be back. I mean, come on, Dom. First episode of 10K Live, and you ditch us. For <laughs> I don't make the schedule. High school Jeremy. hockey. Come on now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Looked a lot, looked a lot of fun. You're right there on the ice at the XL yeah. Energy Center. You know, that's, uh, that's uh, you know, if you're going to miss the 10,000 Pitches podcast, at least make it make it cool. Yeah. And you did. So uh, I'm sure that was a lot of fun. But anyways, we're going to have a lot of fun on this week's episode. Um, if you have not yet, leave us a, a subscription, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review the podcast on your preferred platform as well. You can also follow us on Twitter at Soda SOC to keep up with not only what's happening at Soda Soccer, but with what's happening in the world of Minnesota soccer as well. And uh, I mentioned the Patreon a little bit before. Uh, we have a little Patreon challenge that we're doing right now because, you know, we, we covered the FC Dallas match in person in Frisco for the opener. And we want to keep doing that periodically throughout the season, going out to cover road matches. Um you know, we're not gonna be able to make it to every single one, obviously, because it's expensive to travel and we all have different things that we're doing and day jobs and all that stuff. But um, definitely want to try to make it a semi-regular thing this season. But in order to do that, in order to afford the travel and do that, we got to kind of up our, our Patreon following. So we got a little challenge going on this month for the month of March. So between now and March 21st, we want to reach 50 patrons at patreon.com slash soda soccer. We're currently at 43. So we just need seven more between now and the 21st. If we can do that, we will, uh, you know, book our flight, book our hotel, do, you know, get everything we need to do to get sorted to be on site at City Park covering Minnesota United, uh, their first ever match against St. Louis City SC uh, on the MLS level. So make sure that uh, if you want to, if you really enjoyed the on-site coverage from Dallas and Frisco um, and you want to see more of that and you're not a uh, patron at patreon.com slash soda soccer please consider doing that if you already are a patron and you love the uh love the content you know tell a friend uh you know you know spread the word let 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 people know why uh you enjoy so much being a patron and why it might be worth their time and their investment so again patreon.com slash soda soccer looking for seven more patrons at the time of recording between now and march 21st if we can reach 50 by march 21st we'll uh we'll do everything we have to do to get out to St. Louis for that April 1st road match against St. Louis City. Um, a very exciting St. Louis City SC team too, might I add. So um, check us out there. Uh, but shout out to the new patrons who uh, subscribed this past week. Nathan, James, John, Bridget, thank you guys so much for your support. We really appreciate it. And again, if we can get seven more of y'all uh, in on the Patreon between now and March 21st, we're going to head out to St. Louis for that road match. All right, Dom, speaking of Minnesota United though, let's jump right into it here. 
Uh, the one-one draw, Snowpener twenty twenty-three against the New York Red Bulls. There was a ninety percent chance that we'd get some snowfall, you know, before and during the match. We definitely got it. Um, neither coach seemed particularly happy about the snow accumulation on the pitch. Uh, Gerard Struber for New, uh, New York Red Bulls in particular called it uh, unprofessional. He, um, you know, he uh, compared it to a U eighteen youth match. Uh, that sort of thing, you know, and, and in, in asking a clarifying question, Andy Grader from the Pioneer Press sort of asked a clarifying question, sort of what he meant by that. And he meant by the field, he meant the field conditions specifically. He thought there should have been a greater effort to get the snow off the pitch prior to kickoff. Um, and, you know, Adrian Heath, to some extent, echoed those comments in his saying he was disappointed with how much snow there was on the field. Um you know, it made for an exciting viewing experience, both, I'm sure, you know, in, in Allianz Field. I was in the press box, and you were there at Allianz too, Dom, for this match. Um, I'm sure it made a cool viewing experience at home for people watching on MLS Season Pass. Uh, but, you know, the players, talking to them after the match, talking to them in training this week, they, they uh, you know, do not, do not have a positive outlook on playing in those kind of conditions. But I mean, from a viewer's perspective, it was kind of cool. Yeah, uh, I guess two things to say. Obviously, not preferable conditions to play soccer. You saw that uh, in the, in the the flow of the game. You saw that in uh, I, I know in uh, postman's Eli <laughs> talked about this. The passing percentages for both teams were quite oh atrocious for Minnesota yeah. United, particularly. Um, that's all obviously the case. Like it is more difficult to play particularly attractive soccer in a pitch that has say snow on it. I do take issue a little bit with some of the comments like saying it's unprofessional. Mm-hmm. Um, you could talk about the biggest leagues in the world, Premier League, for example, and there will be weekends where the pitches will be waterlogged. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the idea that it's unprofessional, that some snow... And by the way, I've been to other snow openers. This was the least snowy snow yeah. opener that I've seen <laughs> it at. Yep. Like a third of that field at kickoff was completely green. Like that, that it was, it wasn't even really snowing. The snow that was falling, I think was mostly coming from the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know. I take issue a little bit with, with some of the more dramatic language that was used to describe the conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's unprofessional, then I think that he has a couple other leagues to talk to about unprofessionalism. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously it makes it harder to play good soccer. Um, that was very clear. From start to finish, to be honest, I thought in the last, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes, both teams kind of got a little more used to it. But the first 15 minutes of the game were pretty rough uh, for both teams uh, and certainly for their ankles. <laughs> yes. uh, um, and, 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 that, and that was clear from watching uh, in person and, and also kind of looking back at highlights. There were some moments that, that definitely were affected by that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can uh, empathize with the players. That's a very difficult condition to play in. I do... Uh, hesitate to agree with the coaches who aren't really complaining so much about individual players' experiences, but are more just claiming that it's, I don't know, they just don't like that there was inclement weather. <laughs> yeah, but uh, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I guess that's my my two cents on that part. Yeah, I, I thought Struber's comments were a little dramatic. Um, I, I do, I will say though, I can see the frustration being that, as you mentioned, Dom, there really wasn't much snow falling kind of right up in that time, right up until yeah. kick and over the course of the match. 
So maybe, and I don't know how these processes work. I don't know. In Minnesota United, for everything I've heard, has a fantastic uh, grounds crew, has a fantastic um, staff to keep that field and that pitch as ready as possible for, uh, you know, circumstances like this and just throughout the season, making sure it's good to go and safe to play on and all that good stuff. Uh, you know, I, I didn't see the guys, you know, they had like these leaf blowers, right? And they were blowing the, the lines to make sure you could see the lines at, at kickoff. And so looking back on some of the comments that were made and kind of how the snow fell during the day and stuff, I thought, well, maybe there could have been more of a sense of urgency to maybe try to do that to the entire pitch before kickoff, you know, take them a little bit more extended period of time to try to clear off the entire pitch. Um, but that's, again, that's me just sort of speculating. That's me just sort of, you know, trying to find maybe a, a way that everybody could have been made happy in this scenario. But at the same time, as you mentioned, this is not uncommon for climates like ours in Minnesota to have these situations in mid-March where you're playing in these conditions. Could MLS maybe take that more into consideration in the scheduling? Possibly. Um, could there be a little bit more flexibility there for matches like these where Minnesota is hosting? We're saying, okay, we'll play this match on Saturday night, but if there's a snowstorm or something like that, maybe we have the flexibility to move up, move it up to Saturday afternoon or move it back to Sunday afternoon or move it up to Friday evening or whatever that is. You know, with the new TV deal, with it, with it, it kind of almost exclusively being controlled by Apple, I could see that also being something that the league could do to take into consideration. But at the same time, this is mostly unavoidable. Uh, from a scheduling perspective, from, uh, you know, having to play in these conditions perspective, when you have a team in Minnesota and you start your season in late February, this is kind of, you're going to get this sometimes and you should be kind of prepared for it. And I do feel for the players as well, having to play in those situations. We saw somebody like Mickey Tapias, um, you know, had to be his first ever time playing in anything close to these conditions. Um, just really skating out there for a little bit before he finally was able to sort of trust the spikes and, you know, kind of find his footing literally. Um, but at the same time, it, it did make for a, a, an exciting viewing experience. And I think that's something anybody who was there will probably remember for a while and uh, ended up being a positive result. I think all on, you know, for both teams, all things considered to walk away with shared points. Let's get into the match itself. Uh, lineups exact same as Dallas for Minnesota United. It was sort of that four, two, three, one, four, three, three hybrid, maybe a more defensively focused four, two, three, one, if you will. Um, Will Trap, Bongo Kuli Klangwane, both starting despite missing training time during the week with nagging injuries. Mender Garcia gets the nod at striker with incumbent uh, starter Luis Amaria available off the bench. Of course, his first match back with the team after um, his uh, successful green card appointment in Paraguay. Uh, took him a little bit more time than previously thought to actually get back with the team. Um, but he was available, but Mender Garcia did get the start. And then it was Zarek Valentin. Uh, maintaining his starting role at right back with DJ Taylor available off the bench once again as he recovers and sort of on the mend from some tendonitis issues in preseason. Um, Dom, were you were you surprised by this lineup at all? Like, like I look at Will Trapp, for example. His prognosis in the early portion of the week was not very positive. It actually seemed pretty right. scary. The rib injury he had with inflammation around vital organs and stuff. And the initial timeline was one to three weeks. And, you know, so early in the week, I'm thinking there's no way we're going to see Will Trap at all for this match against the Red Bulls. But uh, Adrian Heath said, you know, the, the pain went down significantly for him over the course of the week. And uh, he was he was able to not only play, not only, you know, play in a cameo, but play over an hour and start yeah. in this match. I mean, he, he deserves a lot of credit for sort of gutting that out and, and making himself available. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was a bit surprised. You know, there, there's been quite a bit of um, uh, reporting, rumor, discussion, kind of leaning towards perhaps uh, perhaps uh, Dotson starting or you know, yep. something like that, a change at the very least. Uh, and, and so I, I was surprised, but to your point, I actually thought he played quite well. I yeah. thought he was one of the players that seemed to have his head on his shoulders more, particularly in the first half of that mm-hmm. game, something yeah. that almost no one, uh, you could say about. Um, and, and so, you know, I was actually pretty pleased with his performance, uh, looked a little more controlled actually, frankly, than sometimes his first half performances, uh, look, which is also yeah. strange to say about that game. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I thought, uh, I thought he played well. I, I was surprised, but I thought it ended up being a smart choice. Yeah. Uh, obviously, keeping in mind that that he was available, uh, because I thought he brought a certain amount of uh, control maturity to the game. Uh, uh, you know, Valentin. I, I, I guess there was you know some expectation that was a possibility because Taylor was was still having a medical situation, and and I I know Valentin. There were some stats that were not so favorable to him, but like he was one of the he had one of the lower passing percentages. But uh, I think that's more to do with what his role was in the yep. game. You know, he was having to do a lot of long balls, that sort of thing that were just not going to necessarily get to anybody. Um, I thought he played well defensively overall, though. Uh, and Juan Juane, I, yeah, I guess it wasn't clear to me whether or not he was going to start. Uh, it turned out to be a good decision because he gets the goal, obviously. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I thought uh, all, the, all the guys that sort of stuck in where you might have thought they wouldn't play actually were some of the better performers. And I guess that was sort of surprising silver lining to the, to the game. Heath's philosophy with the lineups has always been, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like if right. he gets a good performance from a lineup, he's going to roll that lineup out again and see if they're, if, if they can do something with it. So, um, you know, but from a health perspective, you know, I was surprised about trap. Um, you know, it was a little bit unsure kind of how serious Bongi's issue was with his hamstring um, turned out to be okay there. Uh, Mender Garcia obviously getting the start up top. He scored the goal. Amaria is kind of still working his way back with the team after that extended time in Paraguay in the preseason or the early part of the season, I should say. So, um, yeah, I, I wasn't really surprised with the lineup considering they they got that three points on the road against Dallas. If everybody's healthy enough to roll that lineup out again, then why not roll it out again? Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and so no surprises there with the lineup. Um, 18th minute, though. We see Bonga Kulikalanwane open his account for 2023 off MNUFC's first corner of the season. That's right. Uh, no corners against Dallas, but in the 18th, they get their first corner. Fragapane puts it on a plate for Mickey Tapias. Tapias gets a great header on goal. And all the uh, all the Red Bulls goalkeeper can do is, is really sort of just kind of paw it, paw it away. And it goes, and Hongwane, Bangi is right there to sort of clean that up and put it away. And it's kind of similar to the first goal, Dom, where it kind of starts with Fragapane uh, with the shot in the first one, with the, the corner in this one. Um, you know, there was a save, you know, initial shot and a save. But then they're kind of in a vulture-ish fashion, you know, more, more vultures instead of loons in this scenario, uh, right around the goal to sort of clean up the rebound. Um, I sort of asked uh, asked uh, Bongi after the match, if it was a uh, really a uh, you know, right place, right time thing, or if it's more a mentality with this team. And, you know, he had said there's, there is a focus on making sure you're available in or around the box, not only for crosses, not only for service, but for those rebound opportunities as well. And that's paying dividends so far. Yeah, no, it was, it was a really uh, assuming that there was some planning behind it, which it seems to be the case. 
uh, it was a really good use of just that that second ball mentality. He was placed yep. in a in a really good position to to both not be in danger of being offside, uh, but but also to be ready to pounce on any sort of deflection rebound that might be created by an initial shot or header. And yeah, yeah I mean that's exactly what happened. Uh, I I was uh, very uh, happy, you know, with the he seemed very composed, uh, had a, a really clean clinical response to the situation, got yep. the ball in the net. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting because I, I think about Mender Garcia's goal in the first week, Juan Juanes' goal this week. They both scored good goals that have nothing to do with what people talk about as their strengths. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Mender Garcia scores uh, a very nice deflection goal. You know, he does a good job of getting in the net. Uh, but it's just for him standing on the edge of the box. Yeah. Uh, and then Juan Juan, I guess, this sort of deflected set piece tap in. Uh, neither of which have to, anything to do with like, the speed or the footwork that people usually kind of talk about with them. Uh, but what I do like about that is that we're getting goals that these guys wouldn't necessarily always be scoring on paper. And mm -hmm. I think when this team is in the situation it's in offensively in terms of the continued absence of Manuel Reynoso and, and all that sort of thing, that's what you need is you need yeah, guys yeah. who are going to get the goals that they aren't so, sort of supposed to get, quote unquote. Uh, and and we're getting points from that. So I mean, I think there's a a, a really strong positive to that. And uh, yeah, just a a good goal overall, a good use of a set piece. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything to complain about there. I went to college in the suburbs of Chicago while the Blackhawks were on their you know Stanley Cup run tirade, you know whatever you want to call it. And they had their coach at the time, Joel Quenville, would call those kind of goals greasy goals. <laughs> that was his phrase to use. And so when I saw that, and I, when I sort of thought about how Minnesota scored those first two goals, that's the first thing that popped in my mind was they're kind of greasy goals. Where again, they're not pretty, they're not bangers, they're not showing up in any goal of the week type scenarios, but they really come from a lot of like hard work you know, paying attention. And as you mentioned, Dom, not freaking out when the ball is suddenly at your feet. How many times do we see that happen where, so, where you know, the, the guy around the goal seems almost, you know, surprised, shocked <laughs> to have the ball at their feet in that circumstance. And they either, they whiff it, scuff it, put it five feet wide, five feet over the bar. Um, you know, so very, very good. And, and, and as you mentioned, and composed by Hong Wani to not sort of not make that situation too big for him there. And uh, and put that away and put the loons ahead. Uh, but set pieces giveth and set pieces taketh away for Minnesota United in this one as the equalizer for New York comes off of a corner of their own in the 49th minute. It's Andres Reyes getting a clean header right around the edge of the six to equalize. We saw Dallas get, you know, they didn't really get a lot of good opportunities in the run of play in the first game. But they did get quite a few solid opportunities and all seemed to come off set piece and, goal and corner situations. Um, and that made me kind of worry about set piece defending a little bit. I even wrote about that and mentioned it uh, last week on 10 K that that would be something to watch out for. And lo and behold, they do concede off the corner in the 49th, uh, for that equalizer. Um, Adrian Heath, uh, Kamar Lawrence spoke to both of them this week, not happy about that. Obviously pretty disappointed to give, uh, give up the equalizer in that circumstance. Kamar mentioned that, that he and the guys really pride themselves on defending overall, but obviously making sure you're locking down those set pieces. Uh, but Adrian Heath said it, I mean, Andres Reyes, one of the tallest guys in the field gets a free header at the edge of the six yard box. You know, when you look at that, you know, from from a coach's perspective, from a film room perspective, you're going to pause that and say, that's unacceptable, guys. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. There's a couple couple of things to respond to there. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Uh, in that Dallas game, the f- only real big chance Dallas has, the only sh- save that Dane Sinclair has to make, of course, is off a, a header off a, I believe it was a corner kick. Um, and in and, and this game, you saw lots of open play saves from Dane. Very good performance from him, I, I thought, overall. Uh, but the one that gets let in is, is kind of a similar set-piece situation. Um, you know, it's interesting... And then they, they uh, uh, Eli and Jacob talked a little bit about this on, on Postlands, I know. I don't know how much Andres Reyes was planning what he did in this play, but he did something incredibly clever, either by mistake or on purpose, where he's very close to the goal. He has Ariaga on him, and Tapias is also kind of in his immediate area. He starts to move, Ariaga starts to follow, and he, and Reyes pulls right in front of Valentin, and the guy Valentin is marking. Mm-hmm where he's literally almost touching back to front with them. And it causes Ariaga to actually end up behind those two other guys. It almost gets picked. If you want to, you know, yeah. it's March Madness. You want to use a basketball term. Right. It almost gets, it's like, a, it's like a pick situation. And yeah. it just creates this incredibly awkward spacing where Valentin's focusing on the guy he's already marking. And all of a sudden there's a guy in front of him. Ariaga's behind him now trying to jump over these guys or do yeah. something. So it, whether I have no idea whether or not Ray is meant to do that, but it turned out to be a very clever run uh, mm-hmm. that created a wonderful piece of space for him to jump into and head the ball very well. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I, I guess the 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 positive of well, not the positive of it, but the 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 thing to make that hurt less is that's an incredibly well worked goal. That's not a silly goal to let in. That's yeah. a guy that just did everything right. It's a well done set piece, um, absolutely. But obviously. It, it, it's a tough moment early on in the second half uh, kind of sets a weird tone for the rest of the half for Minnesota United having to now fight back for that lead uh, in a mm-hmm. game where it just was simply very hard to get a good play put together. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's a tough moment. It's it's one that I don't feel too critical of any individual defender on, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it's simply, I think one where the, the loons defense just got um, outsmarted a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and got a little unlucky with some spacing uh, and and had to you know pay the price for it. Yeah, just watching the watching the replay back because obviously I saw it in person. But watching the replay back on on season pass earlier this week, I was I sort of I didn't realize there are like four white shirts that are around Reyes, but right. they're marking other people. They're kind of running around trying to make sure that their own guy. And then Reyes just seems to rise above all of them. Uh, like in you know sometimes in, in cheerleading when you have the four people that right you know that that raise the the jumper yeah. up or the flipper up or whatever you want to call it that almost is kind of what it looked like there where Reyes is just rising above everybody else above him to uh, or below him excuse me to 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 uh, head that that goal in but um, yeah what works set piece and obviously something that the Minnesota defense is going to be uh, disappointed about as well uh, but. You know, after sort of going back and forth, long balls, you know, prayer long balls pretty much going, you know, both ways all night, um, you know, just trying to keep the ball off the ground as much as possible. Um, Minnesota really seemed to find their footing literally in sort of the last 10 minutes. And this was the the part of the match where the snow was basically almost completely, basically completely gone at this point. And so you started to see Minnesota specifically really start to capitalize on that, find their footing, start to work passes on the ground start to sort of carve up the Red Bulls defense in a way that they just they just couldn't because of the field conditions prior to the match. And they had a pair of good opportunities uh, from Hassani Dotson off the bench in the latter portion of this one. He was very close to a banger on a couple occasions. Uh, Tanya Lewis-Shea even had a chance in close, but it just wasn't meant to be. 
and it ends one, one, uh, Dom, are you, are you satisfied with, with the result for Minnesota? I guess I'll start there. Yeah, I think that despite the fact that this Red Bulls team hasn't had a great start to the season, they are clearly a very talented team. That's mm-hmm. my opinion anyways. And, uh, and so I, I think when you're playing a quality team in such unique conditions, conditions to, to your point in that, that last bit there where you essentially can't even play soccer the way you want to. Yeah. Uh, at a certain point, I think a draw where each team sort of has a shining moment off a set piece. And that's kind of about it. At a certain point, I think that's acceptable. Yeah. Uh, obviously would have preferred one of those late chances to go in, but uh, you know, I, I think Minnesota played relatively well considering the, the context of the game. I thought there were some bright moments. You get a four points out of two games. Yep. Uh, two games, by the way, against two historically good teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I, I walked away from that one pretty happy with what Minnesota United has been able to do with these first two weeks. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Um, obviously, giving up the equalizer you know, really sort of makes you feel in a sense that it's, it's two points loss because you do score first at home holding a lead um, and, and going into halftime with the lead, all that. You know, it, it does sort of feel a little sour in that regard. But when you take everything else into context, when you take into account the conditions, when you take into account just how good of a team Red Bulls are, and I'm with you. I mean, there's a reason why preseason they they were picked to finish at or near the top of the East, be a legitimate MLS Cup contender in a lot of experts' eyes. That's you know, that's that's not for nothing. This is a really damn good Red Bulls team. Um, and so to come away with a point in those kind of conditions, I, I think, you know, you have to look at that from a positive perspective. You could look at it as a glass half empty perspective, but I think there's more than enough opportunity to look at it at the, in a glass half full perspective. Um, and it's, it's positive momentum, four points from two matches. Again, as you mentioned, against FC Dallas and Red Bulls, who are, you know, not only historically good, but both actually considered to be pretty good this season as well. Um, so, and one of those, of course, being on the road. So I think you've got to look, um, you know, at these two first two matches as a whole from a positive perspective, just looking at some of the stats in this one, and we'll go, we'll go good news and bad news on the stats, uh, you know, from this match. So we're going to start with the good news. And that was Kerbin Ariaga. You know, there was, uh, we, we, we'll talk about the, the team's past completion as a whole in a second, how this even <laughs> compares to that, but Kervin Ariaga, 70% pass completion, which is really good considering. Seven clearances, won seven of his nine aerial duels, five of eight ground duels. Um, he's just been such an impact player for this team so far. Man of the match um, in the uh, in the opener against Dallas, you know, MLS Team of the Week honors there. Um, you know, he's not going to get that here. But, you know, I think statistically, when you look at the foot mob rating, he was, the man, he was Minnesota's man of the match, at least, in this one. And I think just from the eye test. You know, see him everywhere, slide challenges, you know, just, just turning teams over, you know, being that, you know, in his, his distribution as well. Um, you know, I think just from the eye test, he was Minnesota's best player as well for the second straight match. And he's been a real a real positive contributor and a, and a real game changer for a team that was really looking for somebody, anybody else to sort of step up and be that guy, whether it's in the attack or the, or the defense for Minnesota in Ray's absence. Ariaga has been that guy through two matches. Yeah, and you know so, something that I was thinking about with with specifically this New York game, early on in this game, I mean, within the first, uh, gosh, it might have even been the first five minutes, when everybody was still getting used to the fact that there was snow on the field, um, Ariaga slid off the field 
and actually looked hurt at one point. He, he yes, slid yes, off he the did. side. It almost looked like he might even hit a board. I don't know whether or not he did. Yeah, he, I mean, like he, he, slid. he slid out of our view in the press box. Yeah. That's, that's pretty deep. You know, he was down for, you know, a bit, 10, 15, you know, a, a, a seconds, but enough time where you notice he was down. There was a mm-hmm. bit of an incident anyways is the point. He got up, he got back on the field. But in that moment, I see that. You see the conditions. And my worry was is this guy not going to be able to plug into this game? Because he clearly mm-hmm. looks out, out of his comfort zone with the weather, mm-hmm. uh, with the field conditions. And that, that was a point of concern. He then went on, to your point, to the stats point, to have a great game, actually. One of the better mm-hmm. games on, of the 22 starters. Um, and, and so what I like about that, what I like about Kervin Ariaga really in general, uh, in, in the time that he's been in Minnesota United, is he, he's re- one of those players that has that that scrap to him that he will figure mm-hmm. things out. Uh, you know, he's young, he's, he's versatile, which also means that he has uh, lots of different pots that he's trying to, to, to fill. And he, you know, that can often result in a player that has tough moments, has learning curves to deal with. Mm-hmm. But I, I really like that he has a certain grit that I feel like team can need, particularly in yeah. that position. Uh, and and he's really bringing it this season so far. Obviously, first week he got some some uh, uh, nominations for that. But yeah, I, I I really liked him. I thought you know statistically, obviously, he ended up being one of the better players. But I think even to the eye test, after that sort of rough little moment at the beginning of the game, he really grew into the game. He really looked determined to leave his mark on the game. Uh, so I was very happy to see him kind of continuing to to grow into this team like that. Uh, I, I think that. Yeah, th- this team needs every minute of Kervin Ariaga that it can get. And I was glad to see that that can include in the snow. Yeah, and you mentioned early in the match, uh, Lewis Morgan was on a rampage for the Red Bulls early in this match, actually all the way throughout the match. And it sort of gave me shades of last season's match against uh, the Red Bulls, or between the Red Bulls and Minnesota, where you know Dane St. Clair stood on his head. But Lewis Morgan had a vast majority of those chances in that match as well. So I looked, I looked, I looked this up. Between last season and this season, how many total shots Lewis Morgan had against Minnesota? He had 11 total shots between last year and this year. I think he had five in last season's match and six in this one uh, and has yet to score (laughs) on Minnesota in those two matches. Pretty wild. He's made such an impact and been so dangerous, but was just not able to find the back of the net. And man, he was given Minnesota United players, fans, coaches, a lot of headaches early in this one. Had two chances within the first five minutes. you know, two really good chances, one in the first 30 seconds, uh, and then another one where he chips St. Clair. There's nobody else there, but luckily the ball does sort of just drift wide of the goal. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's been really good for Red Bulls in these matches, but really, I mean, overall just unlucky for him to really find the back of the net. Um, this is kind of where we start the, the, the bad portion of the stats. So um, you might have read this from Matthew Doyle in his sort of breakdown of match day three. Uh, on MLSsoccer.com. This kind of made the rounds on social media as well. Uh, the Loons sub 48% pass completion percentage. You know, they're at 47.8. So like right below 48%. That's the lowest ever recorded for a single team in an MLS match. Now, obviously the snow played a major part in that. And obviously the way Minnesota was playing played a major part in that. We're, you know, sending in long balls and, and hoping somebody gets on the end of it. Um, but I I do think it's something to kind of keep an eye on moving forward as well. Um, because Dane St. Clair, Eli Hoff mentioned this in, in Postlands, Dane St. Clair was not very good in his di- distribution either. And he's the one who can sort of really control where he's putting the ball and where he's 
where he's sending sending those uh, goal kicks out and, and who he's passing to and stuff like that. Um, his was not very good as well. I believe it was under 30%. So that's something to just keep an eye on for this team is their distribution, effectiveness, and their way to uh, to find each other and connect in, uh, in the attack and, of course, in the defensive third as well. Uh, and then the other, the other one is Luis Samaria. Uh, this is his first match back, so we can give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. But 25 minutes off the bench, no shots, no successful dribbles, no chances created. Um, you know, you're trying to find a goal if you're Adrian Heath in this scenario. Um, Amaria, you know, just wasn't really able to make an impact in that regard off the bench. Um, probably enough to, you know, keep Mender Garcia in that driver's seat, I would say, moving forward. We'll have to see what the lineup decisions are against Colorado. Um, but, you know, striker situation still very much up in the air. Um, but this, I don't know if this is really the match to take a lot from in that regard either. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, both because of Amaria's, the contests have been arriving and also just the match itself. But I, I agree, though, I was not particularly impressed by his cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't see any reason why Mender Garcia shouldn't just start the Nets game. Uh, he didn't score in this one, obviously, but I still thought he had some moments and obviously did well in the first game. Uh, for me, you go with the guy that's getting the job done, and that, that's mm-hmm. Garcia right now. We'll look ahead in just a second, but I do kind of want to end on this, and it, it is a positive note uh, for me for Minnesota, is it, it looks like this team, you know, with Adrian Heath and the players, is really starting to develop both a tactical and just a, a, a collective identity without Reynoso. You can see what they're trying to do tactically on the field. There is an intentionality to, you know, we're going to be more defensively shaped. We're going to press. We're going to press with our, our defensive midfielders. And we're going to try to force turnovers close to the midline and, and maybe even in the attacking half. But if we're not able to get that, if those lines are broken, we trust our back line to be able to hold, hold things down. And not, you know, let in easy goals, let in, you know, uh, really be solid at the back if that initial line of pressure is broken by the opposing team. Um, In a way, that's very similar to how this 2019 team operated as well. Ozzy Alonzo was really relied upon in the six to be that first line of defense, very, you know, very forward first line of defense, if you will. Um, And we kind of see that with Kervin Arriaga and Will Trap uh, as well as, you know, their... They're kind of sitting up closer to midfield, uh, but the pressure on opposing teams, you know, making it very hard for them to get across the, in, their, in their own attacking half themselves um, is definitely something that I see an intentionality from with Adrian Heath um, and the way that he is uh, putting this team together. It's defensively shaped in a 4-2-3-1 where you don't see Robin Ludd as that, you know, real hyper attacking midfielder. He is playing a little bit more defensive in that central midfield role, but the defensive pressure is there. And, you know, the pressing up from a defensive perspective is there as well. Um, and then talking to some of the guys and training this week and just just my impressions overall from seeing the guys together, both on the on the field and uh, at the NSC as well. This team really likes being around each other. Like there's a lot of a lot of laughing, a lot of smiling, a lot of just enjoyment being had on the training ground. And Kamar Lawrence used the word togetherness this week when talking about what their identity looks like right now, he said, you know, they're, they're sort of playing for one another, but they're also holding each other accountable. He mentioned that there's sort of an extra expectation on what you're going to bring in training and in, in, on game day, you know, an extra level of accountability that these players are holding each other to and an extra level of, of quality uh, that these players are holding each other to. 
uh, you know, it, it, he said, I think he finished this quote by saying, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but it has to be a team effort from us. And, you know, they've, they've done a pretty good job of that so far. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think if there's, if there's one thing that it feels like this team is doing well game to game so far is it's operating as a group, as a mm-hmm. team, having each other's back, that, that mentality seems to be there in spades. So that's wonderful to see. Uh, it's wonderful to see that despite the drama off the field with Reynoso, despite the questions, despite the tactical issues that that creates, to see a group that clearly is just focused on being a group uh, is really reassuring. And I think it's a huge part of why you know you get these these scrappy results, but but well fought results that Minnesota United is getting. Yeah, and I, I asked Kamar this week if if the you know Ray not being here sort of has has sort of instigated this this collective unity if it sort of brought the team together and he kind of dismissed the question but i think there is something to be had from just a human psychology perspective like when you go through adversity when when you and a group of other people sort of go through adversity together you are more likely to come together and uh you know play, you know be be for one another be there for one another and and, and help one in, one another out in that particular scenario so um we're kind of seeing that play out uh, with Minnesota both on and off the field so far, which is really cool to see. Um, what's not cool to see, I mean, it's cool to see, but it's also, it's cool and not cool at the same time. We'll just we'll say that. Uh, national team call-ups, once again, for some reason, Major League Soccer is is playing its schedule through an international break this month. Uh, and uh, Balloons will be without six key pieces, five starters for the match against Vancouver. Uh, Robin Ludd is leaving for Finland, Michael Boxall for New Zealand, Dane St. Clair for Canada, Kervin Ariaga and Joseph Rosales for Honduras, and then Bongi Klangwani for South Africa. So that that rounds out the first teamers. Something really cool, though, on the MNUFC2 side is, of course, Jesse Kahn will be representing Trinidad and Tobago during this window as well. And again, all the first teamers will be missing that March 25th home match against Vancouver. And Heath actually mentioned he may make decisions in Colorado with this in mind as well, sort of saying that, you know, the guys who we're going to have to rely upon to sort of replace the absences in against Vancouver, you know, are more likely to get a rest or get a night off against Colorado. So they don't pick up any knocks. They don't pick up any injuries. So they are for sure available for that, for that match where they'll probably have to start against Vancouver, considering all those absences. So, you know, interesting sort of chess being played or interesting sort of look ahead from Heath there where, you know, Yes, we're going to be missing these guys for Vancouver, but I might have to adjust my roster the week ahead of time, you know, to to make sure that these guys are available for that match. Yeah, that is interesting. The 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 positive side, of course, always for any team that's unhappy about losing players to the national team call-ups is just the fact that, you know, of course, all the other teams are having that too, right? So, Well, it means um, you got a good team, right? I mean, if yeah. you're getting, missing six guys uh, for national team duty – means you have six guys worthy of representing their countries on that on that stage right so you know that that note very true and then also you know minnesota united is just going to have to to approach the white caps and see well what gaps do they have from people they're losing Mm -hmm. um i i know for a fact they have multiple people that have that have call-ups so uh starters who have call-ups so looking at those weaknesses, looking at how it's affecting Minnesota and, and making the most of that. Uh, you know, that's, that's the, I agree that I'm not a huge fan of MLS playing through the, the international windows, but mm. if you're a team in that situation, 
you have to make the most of the fact that everybody's dealing with it. Yep. Uh, and if someone's not dealing with it, to your point, it means that they have managed to put together a roster with no people that no country <laughs> wants. Uh, so, exactly. which I guess is also okay if you're going to play them. But uh, so you know, the, you got you got to find the silver lining of that. I think Minnesota is capable of that. I think that you know there there are talented players not in that list that can step up and and, and put together performances. So we'll have to see. Uh, but I and for what it's worth. If you're going to be playing a team on that window, the Whitecaps, who are very much trying to find themselves right now, probably not the worst team to be playing. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to see what that looks like. This is the one result DC United will get all season just during the international break. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, they might have gotten a result already, actually. I haven't, haven't uh, paid too close attention. But anyways, um, quick look at the Rapids as we head into the Colorado match this weekend. They are going through some injury issues. Uh, Lala Abubakar, Abubakar Kaita. Um, Diego Rubio, Dantuma Torre, all out until at least early April with various injuries. Uh, for Rubio, obviously the most uh, the most marquee name of the bunch is a knee injury that has him out until mid-April. Um, they're also, as a team, goalless through three matches. Outscored 5-0 so far in 2023. Um, this past weekend versus San Jose, specifically six shots, none on target, just a .49 uh, expected goals. And only one player via foot mob rated as a seven or above for this match for Colorado. And that was Brian Acosta. So, you know, has not been the best start so far for the Rapids. Uh, it has not. Now, obviously, the elephant in the room is that in the past, similar situations have developed. And then the Rapids <laughs> have beat us 3-1 yep. uh, with a random red card somewhere in there. So... You know, we'll have to wait and see. This matchup is always annoyingly chaotic and weird. Uh, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, for what it's worth, Minnesota United coming into it with, with the better momentum, uh, the Rapids not performing well in any particular way, uh, including at home already. I, at least one of those games is at home. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's that's a hopeful note for Minnesota. Hopefully we'll, we'll see the Loons sort of take control of this matchup in a way that they haven't in the past. Yep. Uh, and if they do, you know, to your point earlier about, you know, the, the first two games, is this a good start? If you get a win at Colorado and that's your first three games, I think that's a great start. Yes. Now, if you lose or something, then not, maybe yeah. not. But if you get seven points, two, uh, two of those on the road or six of those on the road, uh, and, and that home draw against a good Red Bulls team, I think that's a great start. It is. So, it's kind of a matter of does Minnesota United kind of take control of this game, you know, ride through it, get their goals, stay defensively sound, make the most of Colorado's hardships. Um, you know, if they do, which I think they're capable of, uh, I think we could have, you know, a very, very happy conclusion to, to week four of the MLS season for Minnesota United. Yeah, and not to look ahead too far, but when you look at the next match against Vancouver, who where Minnesota will be missing, uh, you know, a handful of starters, you know, the Whitecaps are looking pretty vulnerable in the early going as yeah. well. So when you look at kind of what Adrian Heath has sort of indicated that he's going to do here, he's going to kind of rotate his subs out against Colorado, his first first choice subs out against Colorado, in anticipation for having to rotate his starters out against Vancouver. I I talked about this in today's. Loon's daily newsletter, but like it kind of presents like a breakthrough or breakdown scenario is what I called it. Like either this is going to be genius. They're going to get results in both matches. He's going to play it perfectly. And they're really going to continue that momentum into April. Or 
they're sacrificing points in both matches by, you know, you know, you know, sitting out your first yeah. choice subs against Colorado, you know, maybe having to bring on somebody who's a little less, uh, a little less seasoned uh, as far as MLS is concerned, or maybe having to just, maybe he just rolls the starters out for 90 minutes. You know, that could be an option too. We've seen he do that plenty of times in the past. Um, maybe that, uh, you know, kicks Minnesota in the butt in, in the later going and they give up a late goal to either equalize or even lose that game against Colorado. And then all of a sudden now you're going into a Vancouver match where you're going to be missing five starters and you know, you're, you're vulnerable in that match as well. So it could, this could go a lot of ways. And I feel like we'll learn a lot more about this Minnesota United team, especially at their depth um, over these next couple of weeks, but it's going to be very interesting to see if Heath is pressing the right buttons with this, or if that moment, if we come out of these next two matches with that momentum, just completely halted. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting test. I mean, this is this is always what happens with the MLS season. Just the nature of it, it, it tries to pack in the action and it it tries to to test teams. Uh, I, I think we're going to, like you said, learn a lot about Minnesota United across these two games. But you know, I I feel like we've seen things in the first two games to give hope that what we're going to learn is going to be good news. Yep. Um, and at the end of the day, this is a challenge that Minnesota United's going to have to get used to because there's other competitions coming along that are going to clog the schedule up more and all these sorts mm. of things. So uh, other international breaks. Uh, so, you know, I, I think this is going to be a, a learning curve that the team has to deal with. Um, and and I'm, I'm optimistic that we've seen some things in the, in the first two games that sort of suggest that they're capable of dealing with it. So I think we are both pretty satisfied with what we have seen from Minnesota United so far. I think both pretty intrigued as to what these next two weeks will look like uh, for the Loons. Saturday against Colorado, 7.30, or excuse me, it'll be an 8.30 p.m. Central Time kickoff because it's in Mountain Time. So it'll be 7.30 Mountain Time, 8.30 Central on MLS Season Pass. And then uh, the following week, uh, Vancouver will be right back home at uh, Allianz Field. Uh, 7.30 kickoff. Of course, that's the match where uh, a handful of starters, six total players on the first team will be missing due to international duty. Uh, Post loons coming away after both of the, those matches as well. All right, taking a quick break here. We will be back with lower league news. Minnesota Super Cup schedule has been released. MNUFC 2 schedule has been released. More news on Michael Vang and more. That is coming up in just a minute here on 10K. But right now, got to shout out some friends of ours. And uh, those friends are from Stimulus Athletic. Um, Jason Mora, of course, former Minnesota United player, owns and operates Stimulus Athletic. And he, he sort of used his experience as a player to you know, kind of find the gaps in the marketplace. Where are you know, teams or apparel companies lacking in what they're providing these players as far as uh, game gear and apparel goes? Um, and he sort of used that to sort of launch Stimulus Athletic and provide teams, organizations, the quality game gear and apparel they deserve. If you are the coach or an owner of a lower league team, if you're a coach or an owner of a youth club team, whatever level of soccer you're at, and you're heading into your summer season, and you're just kind of looking at your team's jerseys and apparel, and you're just like, man, this is kind of bland. Like this is, you know, this isn't the look that I want for my club, but I don't know what else to do. Your team deserves quality jerseys and apparel, and that is accessible with Stimulus Athletic. They've worked with Minneapolis City. They have worked with Tulsa Athletic. They have worked with the Anguilla National Team. They have worked with the American Outlaws, providing game gear and apparel at affordable prices. And they can do the same for you and your club. 
And it costs you nothing just to have that initial conversation and see what Stimulus Athletic can do for you. So go to StimulusAthletic.com and click that Get Started button. And when you go through the form, there is a, there's a section there. Is how did you hear about Stimulus? I ask that you please tell them that Jeremy and Dom from 10,000 Pitches sent you. Again, quality game gear at affordable prices. That is what Stimulus Athletic is all about. So if you're a coach or an owner of a club listening to this podcast, and that sounds like something you might be interested in, check them out. StimulusAthletic.com stimulusathletic.com make sure you tell them that the 10,000 pitches podcast sent you there all right lower league news time let's get into it minnesota super cup schedule is out um and in group a we have uh minneapolis city taking on minnesota united u19s on may 5th that's kicking off the tournament um elsewhere in group a we have duluth fc and minnesota united u19s on june 7th and then the Minneapolis City and Duluth FC Derby uh, revived for that July 18th group matchup. Uh, in, in Group B, we have Med City and Vlora taking on each other for the first time ever on May 17th. St. Croix and Med City on June 6th. And then Vlora and St. Croix on June 21st. Top two teams from each group will advance to the semifinals. First place from Group A plays second place from Group B and vice versa. Those semifinals will happen between July 21st and 23rd. And then the final will be on July 29th. I think one of the things that stands out to me here, Dom, is they're sprinkling these matches in basically the entire schedule, not trying to play them all at the same time, which I think is a little bit more advantageous for these clubs and, uh, you know, gives you the best opportunity to have all the players from these clubs available for all these matches when you're sprinkling everything in over a three-month period. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that was, I think, one concern that, that I had, noted prior to this was how they were going to fit all this in and if you if you log it all into the end of the season or end of the summer to your point are these teams don't even have half their rosters anymore mm-hmm. uh and, and so this is a smart way of avoiding that which is that you know the latest of these games will essentially be happening sort of at the end of like the playoff picture for most of these yep. leagues uh and, and i think that's a you know, great way of dealing with it. Otherwise, you got to negotiate between four different leagues how you're going to find a month. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a smart way of doing it. it. It's it's a fun way to sort of mix in almost like it's a domestic cup for the, yeah. you know, the leagues. So you got a game here and there that you're playing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I love that, you know, I don't know whether or not um, Minnesota United was interested in hosting any of these games, but they're not. But I think that's actually great because it means that these other teams get the benefit of hosting Minnesota United. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, Duluth get to host Minnesota United, Minneapolis City get to host Minnesota United. And I, even if it's the U19s, there's a there's a sort of uh, a cool sort of marketing kind of, you know, bump to that that I think is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and of course, it's fun to see Minneapolis City and Duluth play again. I guess the lower league E-Cup won't have the only version of that. No, it won't. Anymore. We actually get that on the field. Um, we had to see real players do it. Hopefully it's um, as exciting as the E-Cup match was. Yeah, yeah my well, to, be, to be honest, that'll be hard to achieve. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, so that's, I mean, that that group is is awesome and, and blockbuster, the way that's all going to match up. Really, really looking forward to that. Group B in its own right is really interesting. I think it's going to be really fun. You have three teams who've never really played each other before. There might be an off-the-books friendly, I don't know about, but competitively they've never played each other before. Uh, and, and they're all high achievers in their own right. Obviously, Med City uh, winning the NPSL North last year. Valora consistently being high achieving, very close to winning their conference in uh, the UPSL last year. 
and St. Croix, uh, the highest achieving Minnesota side in USL League Two last year. Uh, both teams, of course, had had tough years, but they they did do the best of the two. Uh, and so they're they're bringing that in and all the new energy and dedication they have to this season, they're bringing that to, to this tournament. I think that's going to be really fun. Three teams from very different parts of, of the state as well, from Stillwater, Rochester, and uh, Burnsville, uh, more or less, for, for Valora. So uh, a really nice sort of triangle of, of three places facing off. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I, I really look forward to seeing how this tournament plays out. I agree the structure is is probably the best option that they had for it. Uh, and I think when we get to those semifinals and final, I think those are going to be really exciting uh, to see some of these cool matchups that, you know, by the way, you can see potentially a Minneapolis City Med City reunion as well, or yeah. uh, a Valora Minneapolis City game. You know, those teams have their own histories against each other, or all these sorts of things uh, that could be really fun. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I continue to be excited for the tournament and the way these groups and the schedule are kind of laying out make me all the more excited. Yeah, and with these match being a little bit matches being a little bit spread out, I think it makes it a little bit more accessible accessible for guys like us who are just kind of not casual, but just just fans of the lower league soccer scene overall to maybe go right. out and, and check out some of these games uh, that they're not chunked into all the one time. So um, hopefully that's the same for a lot of you listeners out there to go out and take in the uh, Minnesota Super Cup this summer. Um, very interested to see what kind of venue we get for the final on July 29th right. as well. Um, you know, Allianz Field, TCO uh the the nsc i think would be cool in its own right as well so uh we'll have to wait and see but uh yeah very very exciting the more the more info we get about the minnesota super cup the more excited i get for the tournament so um, i'm sure there's more to come as uh we get close about a month and a half away now from it kicking off um other lower league news uh dom you are our resident michael vang reporter you have the boots on the ground uh reporting on michael vang tell us what's going on with him my new official title at soda soccer you have to change the the uh, about us page <laughs> um yeah uh so really cool stuff going on with michael vang right now uh played last season with the columbus crew as uh two as many people may recall in mls nets pro he's since uh, signed for Portland Timbers too, also an MLS Nets pro. Uh, so that's where he's going to be playing his club ball. Uh, but even more exciting maybe uh, than that is that he's actually gotten this huge opportunity to go train and he's expected to take part in actual games with the the Lao national team uh, who are, are playing two friendlies at the end of March uh, in, cool. in preparation for um, the qualifiers for both the World Cup and the A. Uh, AFC Asian Cup are both at the end of this year. So all, all yeah, those teams awesome. are, are playing friendlies spring, summer to prepare for that. He's in the pool for those friendlies. He's, he's out there uh, in, in Laos uh, training, getting to know the coach, getting to know the players. So it's, it's really a cool, huge opportunity for him, both between obviously getting a new home to continue his club career and also this international opportunity uh, to, to, well, certainly raise his profile, but also to achieve some sort of career dreams. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's, it's really awesome to see, uh, uh, a guy that, uh, I've been covering since he got picked out of a forward Madison tryout, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, to, to, to get to this point is, is frankly a lot bigger than I ever, pre you know, predicted I would, I would be seeing, uh, for him, but he continues to be very ambitious and hardworking. And I think the, the Lao national team who, you know, are, are it's very tough uh, confederation 
the AFC to, to thrive in when you have so many sort of titans around you. I think they're probably looking to, to make the most of diaspora talent and bring some new faces in, see what they can do with uh, talent that, that isn't already in Laos. And uh, they're making the most of that opportunity, obviously, with him. Uh, and uh, I, I know they've also brought in players in the past who live in places like France. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, just a really cool opportunity for him. Uh, really looking forward to that. We'll, we'll have some notes, I'm sure, on Twitter or the site when those games happen, particularly if he plays. Um, and uh, hopefully some sort of feature down the road. But, uh, but yeah, just a, a big shout out to him. St. Paul native, uh, yep. Harding alum. Uh, uh, Shattuck St. Mary's alum as well. Yep. Uh, it's just uh, really cool to see uh, his story continue to take interesting turns and swerves. Yeah, yeah, and it's again the opportunity for him to to train with the Lao National Team is just yeah. I- I- incredible. And uh, hopefully, maybe he can work his way into a, a match day roster or something. I think that would be pretty awesome. And then um, obviously, staying in MLS Next Pro, sort of staying in that in that in the pyramid if you will, uh, here in American soccer is always, always positive as well. And, uh, it all it takes is the right opportunity at the right time for somebody to really kind of step in and, and make that impact. We saw him do that in his first year with Ford Madison, uh, back in 2020. And we'll see if he can, uh, you know, kind of return to maybe a similar impactful form in the world of professional soccer with, uh, Timbers too, but obviously all the best to him moving forward. And we'll have all your Michael Vang updates. Well, I say we'll have Dominic. We'll have all your Michael Vang updates, uh, as they progress here. Uh, moving forward, uh, Augsburg's men's team are in the middle of a trip around Costa Rica. I actually went on my honeymoon to Costa Rica a few months ago and it was beautiful. So I'm a little jealous of them right now, but, uh, they're visiting locations and playing friendlies against local teams. Uh, so that's gotta be a really cool experience for everyone there. Uh, both Duluth FC and forward Madison have made the quarterfinals of the lower league E cup, uh, Minneapolis city and spam FC did not make it past the group stage in the, uh, you know, the first, the first cup bracket if you will. Uh, but there is sort of a challenge cup bracket, which allows them to keep playing games and, and battle for a, uh, a consolation uh, prize at the end, if you will. So um, very cool to see all those teams still competing, but man, Yufasa himself has been really living up to the billing for Duluth FC so far. Some really exciting matches, some late winners for him. And then uh, Evan Warwick from uh, Ford Madison uh, doing his thing as well. I think th- these worlds got to, these two got to collide at some point in this <laughs> tournament. And I think that would just, you know, that would almost explode Twitter in the world of Northland soccer if we get Ufasa and Duluth against Evan and Ford Madison. But um, just what a successful run for a lot of the local teams here, both in Minnesota and Wisconsin, over the course of this tournament. And now they're in the quarterfinals. There are two left in Duluth and Ford Madison. And I see no reason why uh, you know either of them can't, uh, can't go all the way and take it home. For sure. And I think they're on corresponding sides of the bracket, if, not, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So, so it'd have they, to be the final. they could meet in the, in the final, which would be, That'd be awesome. awesome. Out that 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 would be worth some some proper coverage from us in yes. the moment, even yes. day of absolutely. Um, but uh, other content on the lower league kept surely on the way, by the way, once it's over. But yes. um, but uh, no, yeah, re- re- really fun to watch those runs. I'm I i did not see the uh Duluth Bateau game because I, I had a game to cover. I afterwards watched, they post some clips and all that kind of stuff, but it, it seemed like the hell of a game. I think he won like what, six, five or five, four or something like that. It was a back and forth. Um, so that's, that tournament's been super fun to, to keep tabs on. 
Um, and, and yeah, to track back for a moment, really cool opportunity for, for the Augsburg men's soccer team. I, I don't know all the details of, of how this trip came to be, but uh, I just know that they've they've uh, they've actually they've been posting. If you go to their Instagram and their Twitter, I think you'll you'll see some pictures. They've been going around. They've visited the facilities of some pro teams, and then they've been playing friendlies with um, some local teams as well. And it seems like a really cool opportunity for those guys to to develop and just see more of what's out there and 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 learn more about the game uh, in different environments. So very cool for them. Yeah, very cool indeed. And, uh, you know, again, more on the E-Cup, as you mentioned, as it, it moves along. And, you know, if uh, we do get Duluth and Ford Madison in the final, you will be seeing a ton of coverage from us on that one for sure. Uh, Dakota Fusion have made their first few announcements for NPSL signings for 2023. Defender Riku Kuwanu and uh, goalkeeper Jamie Colville um, are will be with the Fusion in 2023. Uh, Colville also plays for Northland College uh, in Ashland, Wisconsin. So, um, very cool opportunity uh, for Dakota to kind of build on what they did last year. Uh, Carter and I talked a little bit about this last week where, you know, obviously Duluth and Med City are kind of considered to still be in that top tier. But with some of the performances that we saw from the, those mid-table teams last season in the MPSL, you know, there is an opportunity for somebody to sort of get back, you know, climb up into that top tier alongside Duluth and Med City. Um, and based off what Dakota was able to do last year, we'll see how they're able to build their roster for 2023. But if they can build off that momentum, they could very well be that team to find themselves, you know, up in that upper echelon. Oh, for sure. I think, you know, I, I myself uh, underestimated the fusion last year. I think that people should heavily avoid doing that this year. Uh, I think, you know, you have the fact that, that Sam winning is returning as coach. You're going to have that continuity on the sideline. Now you have a couple pieces at the very least, potentially more than these two, but uh, coming back for continuity on the pitch is always very important. Uh, and, and by the way, you got some really interesting, hardworking players. Your Coville, for example, stands out to me because he, he signed onto the team last year. And my expectation was not that he was going to be starting. Uh, you know, Northern College was not of the level of some of the other players he was competing against. And and so I was assuming that he was going to be there as the backup. He ended up playing quite a few matches. He, for instance, played the entirety of that win over Duluth FC late on that sort of decided uh, in a way the, the title race. And that, at the very least, is what the Fusion are now. They are, the, at the very least, a team now that has input on who wins mm -hmm. the North. Uh, if they can step it up, if they can take advantage of, of a team like Duluth or Med City, uh, potentially they can upgrade that to competing for those top two spots, competing for a playoff spot, maybe competing for, for the title as well. Um, but I think that's a really exciting program coming into 2023. I think it's one to watch. I think uh, any game they play against Duluth or Med City uh, is, is immediately going to be a mark the calendar game because that's not a for sure a for, for anybody. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, glad to see that there's going to be some continuity because they brought so many people in last year. I mean, it was almost an entirely new roster last year. So good to see that some of those guys are going to be coming back um, and really looking forward to seeing what they can do with uh, a second year with winning in charge with some of these guys coming in and the sort of new new face of the Dakota Fusion. It's so one last note on the lower league front, and then we'll get to our picks presented by Better Edge. Uh, but um, Ford Madison, there is a lot of hype around this Mingos team heading into 2023. They have made some significant um, additions to their team. And uh, one, 
I kind of guess one pivot that they've made with their roster construction that's a little bit different than the last couple of years is they brought they're bringing in USL League One experienced players. If mm-hmm. you if anybody who's been following the Talking Flock podcast or just following Fort Madison overall over the last couple of years, they have taken over the last couple of years the route of signing next level type players, players with MLS experience, players with USL championship experience, players directly from USL championship going down to play with Ford Madison. And that has not necessarily bared any fruit for this team over the last couple of years. And when I think about this, I think about in the comp in the context of MLS, like, you know, there are, there are teams that, that bring in, you know, a who's who of international talent, but then struggle right. because MLS is just a different animal, right? It's a completely different animal. Um, and the teams that perform the best are the teams that bring in that right combination of MLS experienced players, young talent, and players who have experience at other places, maybe at higher levels. If you can kind of plug all those right pieces in in the right spots, that is how you build kind of that perfect roster. And I think you're kind of seeing that in, in the lower leagues too, specifically USL League One. Um, they brought in this uh, this attacker, Christian Chaney, who's expected to just light USL League One on fire this year. Uh, Derek Gebhardt has come back. Of course, that's a name a lot of people might recognize as somebody who's been a huge impact player for this team over the last couple of years. Um, there seems to be an intentionality with how they're building this roster. So if you're just kind of a casual follower of the Mingos or you're, you've heard of Ford Madison, but you haven't quite looked into them, um, pay close attention to the Mingos in 2023. I don't want to overhype it too much. But uh, this could be a team on paper. This team has is seen as a real contender for the league title. I would just say that. So that is something to to consider. Um, they had a really good friendly against DePaul University over the weekend. Uh, got a lot of guys in. A lot of guys scores. Evidently, they've had a really good uh, group of trialists um, this uh, this season as well. So um, yeah, really cool, uh, really exciting stuff happening in Madison on the Wisconsin side as well. So uh, definitely pay close attention to the Mingos if uh, if you can this season. All right, Dom, picks time. Presented by our friends over at Better Edge, B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com. And uh, go to betteredge.com slash loons, and you'll actually get $20 in your account for free. It'll just show up. Boom, 20 bucks. You get to do whatever you want with that. Um, you can you can use free money to place wagers and bet on Better Edge, but if you don't want to do that, that's totally fine. They have this like edge coin where you can, um, you know, it's basically play money. It's basically free money. You can make, you make picks, make bets, and uh, you don't have to uh, waste some, uh, you know, some real money in the process. So again, B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com slash loons will uh, get you that, uh, that $20 deposit in your account right there. All right. Let me bring up better edge here. Let me see. Nope. That's not what I want. Nope. That's not what I want. How do I present? There we go. There we are. Okay. <laughs> Um, here is our look at uh, at betteredge.com and the picks or the uh, the matchups for match day four in Major League Soccer. And uh, Dom and I are each going to sort of we're going to start with Minnesota United. We're going to make a pick based off the Minnesota United match. Um, Colorado is favored, and the over under is once again two and a half total goals. So Dom and I can either bet on Colorado to win, we can bet on Minnesota to win. We can bet on over two and a half total goals, or we can bet under two and a half total goals. Again, Colorado is the favorite, so you'll make a little less money if you bet on the Rapids. Minnesota, the underdog, you make a little bit more money off your bet if you bet bet on Minnesota. All right, Dom, hit us with your your pick. Who are, who are you going with in this one, or what are you going with in this one? I should say. Uh, I'm I'm going with Minnesota to win. I, yeah. I they may they may have Colorado as favorites, but <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, 
I, I think that this is a, a prime prime game for Minnesota United to win. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as goals go, it's hard to say, but but I, I'm going with the Minnesota win. Yeah, I am as well. Um, I think they'll play with a little extra intensity, especially those players who are going to be off on international duty. Might give a little bit extra in this one um, in anticipation for not playing in the Vancouver match the following week. Um, Colorado, very vulnerable, has really not shown me anything, not shown me that they're even as good as Minnesota so far this season, actually coming into the um, coming into the season, just on paper, I thought Minnesota was a better team than Colorado. And they've definitely showed that so far in the early going. So I see no reason why Minnesota can't go on the road and get three points again, you know, three or four red cards, uh, notwithstanding there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm going with Minnesota as well. So again, this is pretty easy to submit here. Um, you go to betteredge.com, you make your pick. I'm using edge coin, about 40 edge coin. I'll get 96.40 back. Again, you kind of do the math based off that ratio, based off what, what real money you would bet. If I were about $40 in real money and Minnesota were to win, I would get 96.40 in return. That's how, uh, that's how that works. And again, with each bet you make, you can also um, give to Jason Zucker's Give 16 Foundation as well, which is a really good uh, charity to give to as well. So um, a lot of good stuff over here at Better Edge. Very easy to make your wages and make your bets. Again, if you're not comfortable using real money, they have the Edge Coin feature for you. Um, and I'm also going with Minnesota, U- Minnesota United, if I didn't make that clear as well. All right. Now it's time to make, uh, now it's time to kind of go around the league. We're going to pre- present our locks and our upset picks of the week. Um, I hit my lock of the week last week with New York city over Orlando. I am going to stick with New York city at Yankee stadium. Once again, over DC United um, DC, while they might be better this year, I don't anticipate that they are going to be good this year. Um, And NYCFC at Yankee Stadium is just such a weird environment for opposing teams to play in that uh, uh, even though you're looking at not a lot of return on your investment on this particular wager, I still think it's worth it. uh, Being that it's against DC United and being that it's at Yankee Stadium, I just think that gives NYC such a big advantage. Nice. My... uh... My lock is, and I know I'm going to say this, and all the Violet uh, fans in our audience are going to go, but wait, but I'm going to say Austin win at Houston. Mm-hmm. I, I, CCL madness aside, and by the way, congratulations, huge congratulations to Violet. Oh, that, but, that, what an awesome story. Yeah, but that aside, in MLS, uh, well, first of all, Houston Dynamo have had a horrible start, uh, and mm-hmm. I don't see that game particularly better. Uh, secondly, the fact that it's a home game for them, to be perfectly frank, I don't think matters much because that team struggles to, to have anything I would call home atmosphere. Thirdly, I think Austin are actually very good and they put themselves in an incredibly bad position in the first leg of that CCL game by just like sending half of the B team to play that game. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's largely not reflective of the quality of their actual MLS roster. I think their actual MLS roster is actually fantastic. So I think that rivalry texas rivalry game i think they're going to go to houston and they're going to show them what's up uh so i'm going with austin on that one all right um i'm kind of with you there i think austin is going to be a a team to beat um you know in this particular match but i also think maybe that the uh, violet loss could sort of light a fire underneath them uh we shall see um my upset of the week is i'm going skc on the road at fc dallas um i have really not been too impressed with FC, what FC Dallas has brought 
so far this season. Um, they just have looked a little bit vulnerable at times. Um, a 1-1 draw against Vancouver, um, even though it's in Vancouver, does not do anything to impress me uh, about what uh, FC Dallas are doing so far this season. It doesn't show me that they've got, come anywhere close to resolving uh, the conundrum that is why this talented front line can't score more than one goal in a match. Uh, and I think SKC, while they've, you know, results wise, haven't quite put the pieces together yet. They are from an attacking standpoint, even, even without Johnny Russell are still generating shots. They're generating attacking output. It hasn't quite turned into goals yet, but I think that XG chicken is coming home to roost for them a little bit in a positive way. And I think, uh, I think they'll, they'll get it done on the road against Dallas. Now, again, you might notice if you're looking at this, why isn't there a draw option on here? Um, Cause the way better edge operates. So they are a social betting platform. So you're betting head to head against other people when you're making these bets. And when you bet head to head, you cannot have three different options. It just doesn't really work. Right. Um, what, what happens is if there's a draw, it's a push and you get your money back on your bet. And it's almost as if you never made the bet in the first place. So there is that catalyst to it as well, where if you win, you make all, you make the money. If there's a draw on whichever bet you make, you get your money back. So, uh, but I'm going SKC um, as the underdog against FC Dallas. Again, I'm, I'm far more encouraged by what Kansas city has shown so far this season than what Dallas has shown. And even without Johnny Russell, I think this could um, go Kansas city's way. Um, and I think they could, they could, get a couple of goals that they I mean, honestly deserve based off their performance without him so far this season. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, to be honest, SKC is kind of one of those teams that you can never really count out on making a run in MLS. Mm-hmm. So it, you, you always have to have them in mind when you're looking at matchups. Uh, my my upset, and I, I know this one is probably going to sound a little silly to some people but i want to point out for what it's worth that week one i got both of mine right i got miami go. philadelphia and the revolution over houston i think um i think the white caps uh are going to beat the galaxy uh so i i, I know that that sounds Good a luck. little bizarre uh both teams have had horrible starts uh the galaxy in part dealing with with injuries, particularly that of Chicharito. Uh, and, and that obviously has a huge impact. That injury is expected to still be at play at this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think Vancouver, they've been having to deal with, of course, uh, balancing CCL with MLS play. They've gone through that initial CCL tie now uh, onto the next uh, stage of that tournament. They have a little more room to breathe, a little more focus on MLS. I actually think they're roster has when they have everybody which they won't on international break when they have everybody i actually think there's a a fair bit of talent on this team and i just think it feels like it's in the storybook for them to travel to los angeles and upset the order of the western conference a little bit with a win at the galaxy so that is my upset pick you know that's uh that that would certainly be an upset it certainly would be uh (laughs) you know i'm Kind of like I'm not encouraged by FC Dallas. I'm really not encouraged by uh, the Galaxy so far. I yeah. think they've been under, underperforming. So, um, yeah, I think you know there there could be uh, an opportunity, but 
Also, Dom, you got to think of it this way too. If, if if Vancouver is able to win against against the Galaxy, they'll be coming into that Minnesota match with a ton of confidence. That's so, true. But all the guys they used to beat the Galaxy with will probably be gone. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. We'll all right. So those are our picks presented by Better Edge. Again, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com slash loons gets $20 in your account for free. You may ask, Jeremy, betting's illegal in Minnesota. How does How am I able to do this? It's a community social betting platform, which means Better Edge is not a sports book. They do not profit off of your loss. What they profit of is a lot of people going on Better Edge and betting against one another and betting with one another and you know making it a community social betting atmosphere. That is Better Edge's, Better Edge's model. That is what makes it different than a sports book. Um, it's a really cool thing that Greg and the guys at Better Edge are doing. And uh, again, they, you have the opportunity to bet on MLS, Champions League, Premier League, um, you know, you name it, they got it over at uh, over at Better Edge. Maybe not like the Danish Premier League, but you know, all the all the big ones. So uh, check them out. B e t t o r edge dot com slash loons. You can either bet with us or against us on the, our Minnesota United picks on our MLS picks as a whole, or you can enter our weekly MLS Pick'em contest. It's a winner take all contest. So the more people who get entered, the bigger the payout at the end. I believe it's $5 to enter the MLS Pick'em Contest each week. And again, the winner gets the whole pot. Uh, I think last week we had six people in the pot. So the winner got 30 bucks. So um, if that sounds interesting to you, again, you'll get $20 free in your account. So you can play the MLS Pick'em Contest four times without really having to actually pay anything. So make that happen. B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com slash loons. And you'll get that $20 deposit in your account. Thanks to our friends over at Better Edge for making that possible. All right, now I got to transition us back to what we were doing, Dom. Give me a second here. It's my first time. Okay, got to do this and then do this. And now we're back. There we go. All right. Um, Dom, any parting words before we get out of here? Oh, uh, just, well, well, we'll have another, I guess we'll have another episode up before the, the international break actually starts. But just because it was a huge topic conversation today, international soccer is great. I know people it like is. to hate on it because they're, team doesn't get to play during it or whatever although minnesota united does but uh national team soccer is fantastic and if if you don't already pay attention to it i i really really suggest you do in this next break you've got Concacaf to look at if you if you want you know us is playing for example uh you've got uh uh, i think african cup of nations qualifying you got euro Mm -hmm. qualifying uh, there's all kinds of South American, Asian teams playing friendlies. You've got all kinds of stuff going on, all kinds of fun teams playing, all kinds of fun matchups. So it's going to be on anyways. I, I really suggest giving it a shot, finding a game you want to check out uh, because international soccer is wonderful. It is. It's a lot of fun. And you're right. People either hate it because their team's not playing during it or they hate it because their team is playing during it. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> either way. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a it's a good time. Uh, I enjoy watching me some international uh, soccer, but I also do enjoy like, you know, whenever the Minnesota United is off during international breaks, I also kind of like to use it as a time to maybe step away a little <laughs> bit from being just submerged in it all the time. But um, I always find myself coming back to it because, you know, I'm addicted. So that's what happens. All right. Big thanks to everybody who's supporting us. Uh, Before we get out of here, though, we do have one more uh, partner of ours to shout out, and that is our partners over at Pence Homes, P-E-N-T-Z, homes.com. Nate, of course, I mean, if if you're on Twitter and you follow Minnesota United or you follow Minnesota Soccer, you know who Nate Pence is, huge supporter of Minnesota Soccer as a whole and Minnesota United as well. Um, And he puts his money where his mouth is in that regard, lends his direct support to Minneapolis City with sponsorships, to Minnesota Aurora 
with activations to, um, you know, a lot of other, you know, to, to equal time soccer, our friends over at equal time, they support them as well. And of course they do the same for us here at sodasoccer.com. They support soccer clubs, they support soccer coverage, um, but they're also damn good realtors. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not just a charity thing. If we're going to go over and check out the, the folks over at Pence homes, um, they have helped, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people in or around the twin cities, buy a new house, sell their current home, do both. And, I haven't heard or seen a single person who has been unhappy with their experience with Pence Homes in that process. So check them out, P-E-N-T-Z-Homes.com. If you're in that situation where you're looking to buy, looking to sell, looking to do both, believe me, I know firsthand that is an extremely stressful process. Let Nate and his team take as much of that stress as humanly possible off your shoulders. Again, P-E-N-T-Z-Homes.com. Or if I've sold you here, just email Nate directly, Nate, N-A-T-E, at PenceHomes.com. Big thanks to Nate and the team at Pence Homes for tuning into the podcast. Big thanks to everybody who is uh, tuning in here, either live or after the fact. Uh, we really appreciate all the support. Again, if you want to lend direct support to us, patreon.com slash soda soccer is where you can do that. For Dominic Jose Bazonio, I am Jeremy Rushing. This has been 10,000 Pitches, and we will see you next week. Bye.